Hello, I am Jamie from Stonemaier Games, and I'm here with a special guest today to talk about uh, Stonemaier Games' newest game and Connie Vogelman's newest game, Wormspan. Connie, thank you so much for joining me to talk about this today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk about Wormspan. Yeah, this is something you wrapped up many months ago at this point. We're recording this in late December 2023. I can't remember exactly when we sent the final files to the printer, probably spring of the past year, but it's been a while yeah, since something we like on that. It. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I appreciate you jogging your memory to talk about some of our favorite games that we think that you might like if you also love Wormspan and vice versa. If you love a combination of these games that we're going to talk about today, I think it's fairly likely that you will enjoy Wormspan too. Um, so Connie, anything you, you want to say before we jump into our top five lists? Or should we yeah, uh, I don't think so. I'm happy to, happy to jump into the top five, um, and just kind of go from there. Yeah. I guess maybe I'll add a little bit of preface about, uh, what Wormspan is. Wormspan is a spinoff to the game Wingspan. They're independent games. They are not compatible with each other. They do have many similarities, but they do have some differences that I'm actually going to talk about in a different video because I think people will be curious about that. We might talk about a few of those differences today, probably a little bit more focus on the similarities. But the basic idea is if you know Wingspan, this idea of playing, uh, in this case, dragon cards into a tableau where you have different rows and you're activating those rows, you're um, brain and dragons, there is a cave element and a guild element that are unique to Wormspan uh, that we might go, it might come up today when we talk about a few different games. Um, but Overall, if you know Wingspan, you know the general idea of Wormspan. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I, I think I'll end up talking about uh, a couple of those unique elements just a little bit in, in awesome. my, my top five list as well. Cool. Well, let's start out with your number five. And I'm going to share my other screen so people can see what you're talking about. Uh, yeah, sure. I spoiled so, my, my there. Yeah, why don't you say you're number five? <laughs> yeah, sure. So my top five, uh, my, my number five is a game called Tylatum. And I will admit, I actually have no idea how to pronounce it. I actually looked it up ahead of this uh, video to try to figure it out. And there seems to be no consensus at all. Uh, but it's a dice drafting uh, efficiency Euro game. Uh, you're running a family of merchants uh, traveling around Europe during the Renaissance. Um, you know, going from fair to fair. Uh, I wanted to discuss the game for two different reasons, although I will note it is quite a bit heavier than Wormspan. Um, first are the combos in the game. So every every turn you draft a dice and you get a certain number of action points based on that dice. But a really big part of the game is uh, basically taking actions that give you additional actions. So you might move, which picks up a tile, which gives you another action, which allows you to do something else, which allows you to take an entirely different action or to boost an action sort of somewhere else later on. And Wormspan has a little bit of that too. Um, not to the same degree as Tylatum, um, but you know, sometimes you might be, for instance, excavating a cave in Wormspan, you play a card that gives you an instant benefit that allows you to advance on this Dragon Guild track, which I think we'll talk about a little bit more later, which then might give you another bonus and allow you to play a dragon. And so you're kind of always sort of seeking those combos. Um, the second thing I wanted to mention about both games as one of the my favorite things about Tyler Tomb is that you can balance sort of you have you always have to be balancing your short term and your long term strategies. So uh, at the end of every round, there's sort of both positive and negative scoring. There are certain uh, objectives that you can try to meet, and then there are also in Tyler Tomb some you know negative points on like a reputation or prestige track. I think they can technically be positive, but I think every time I've played the game, it's always negative for me. <laughs> but you're always trying to figure out how much you're trying to go for some kind of an end game goal versus sort of a short term um, or intermediate step. And Wormspan has the same thing. It has these end round goals and you have to really try to strategize about 
which ones of those you uh, want to focus on, which you sort of forfeit, and how much to focus on that sort of medium term versus uh, end game uh, focus. So that's that's Tylatum and a couple of uh, similarities to Wormspan. And I want to piggyback off the first thing you talked about a little bit. I haven't played Tylatum. Uh, my game group has played it a lot. I need to play it. Um, but, uh, the, and I'll, I'll mention this with one of my games too, but this idea of action efficiency and doing one thing that can build into another thing that can build into another thing, it is somewhat unique from Wingspan. On the surface, they look fairly similar in that Wingspan has action cubes that you use to take your turn. You use an action cube, you take your turn. Um, and the equivalent in Wormspan are these coins that you can use. But unlike Wingspan, there are ways to gain other coins, to gain coins during the round. Whereas in Wingspan, I don't think there's any way that you can ever gain an additional action cube. And so that is a little bit unique to Wingspan. I can definitely see that comparison with Tileton here, uh, that this idea of that there are certain ways to gain an extra action, which feels really good to me in games when you have that opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. So that is Tileton, or however you want to pronounce it, as Connie's However it's five. pronounced. <laughs> yeah. uh, my number four, I flashed it up on the screen here a second ago. I'll pull it back. Uh, so this is... It's a little bit of a stretch, but I think it's worth mentioning. Uh, this is Magic the Gathering. That's a very specific type of card in Magic the Gathering, these level-up cards. I, I did a little Google search and found a few examples of them. But there are these cards in Magic the Gathering where you can uh, you play the card. So, for example, this uh, Student of Warfare. When you play the Student of Warfare, it is just a 1-1 one, one creature. But as you play, you can spend the white mana to increase it to a 3-3 three, three creature. So whenever you have... Uh, at least two counters on it. So when it becomes a level two, so when you have spent two white mana, um, it becomes a level two creature because you have two counters on it. And it's then a three, three creature. So it's like that this card has evolved a little bit into a three, three. And eventually if you have spent uh, seven total mana, you have seven counters on it. It has, uh, it's a three, four, four creature with a double strike. So it's evolving over time. It's becoming better over time. And one of my favorite cards, probably my favorite type of card in Wormspan are the hatchling cards. There are 35 different dragons that uh, they, they grow up as you play. There are these little cards where whenever you uh, you activate them, um, you often it, you, you can put a little token on them. And not just when you activate them, but you can cash tokens on them through through by activating them and by doing other things in the game. And you're essentially helping them grow up and they grow up. And at the moment that they grow up, they give you a powerful one-time benefit. Um, I really like this sense of progression in the hatchlings. They're also adorable. Um, and they reminded me a lot of the, the level up cards in Magic. I can't, I can't, I think maybe we discussed these when during the design of hatchlings, but I can't remember which preceded. Like if we said, okay, we should design them around these cards or if they were just an idea for it. You remember any yeah. of that design element? Yeah. I don't I don't remember the detail, but I do know I do remember specifically that we talked about these cards. Um and yeah, yeah, I just absolutely love the hatchlings. I'm really excited for people to see the art. I mean, for all of the dragons, but for the hatchlings in particular, I think they're just they're they're absolutely adorable, but in like a very kind of creative, clever way. Um, but yeah, I absolutely love the hatchings. I love the growing them up. And I also really enjoy trying to find different ways to power them up. Um, you know, a lot of times you just kind of activate them like you normally activate your robe. But then again, you can find ways to sort of cheat that and activate them and, and level them up more quickly, which can be really fun. It really feels to me like one of the things that, that I love about Wormspin is that you have this little adventure meeple that you're moving throughout your cavern. It kind of represents you. You're moving through your cavern and your cavern, and you're kind of checking on the dragons. And it really feels like that with the hatchlings, where you're you're visiting this little hatchling as they're growing up. Maybe you're giving them some milk or another resource, some gold, whatever resource they want. Um, and I I just love that feel of of visiting this cavern, checking on your little dragon. They're doing okay. They're growing up, and then you move it on to the next dragon in the cave. 
So that's Hatchlings and a Magic the Gathering level up mechanism specifically, not the rest of the game for Magic the Gathering, it's just <laughs> this specific mechanism. Feels like one thing. Yeah, so what's absolutely. your number four, Connie? Yeah. yeah. My number four is uh, Hadrian's Wall. Uh, and this one's actually a little bit of a stretch too, but I wanted to talk about tracks uh, in particular. And Hadrian's Wall is one of my favorites. Uh, Hadrian's Wall is a fairly heavy flip and write game. Uh, you are working to protect and develop a Roman city. Uh, you're building walls, defending against picked attacks and advancing your citizens and your citizenry. At uh, the beginning of every round in Hadrian's Wall, you get a set of resources and then it's all about bumping tracks. You have two big sheets of paper and you spend a resource to advance a track, then you um, spend another resource to advance a different track, and that gives you a third resource, which allows you to advance up a different track. And so you're all, um, yeah, so you have these two sheets, and then each of those sort of rows there is, is a different track that you can advance. But one thing in particular about Hadrian's Wall that I think is really cool is you have these things that are sort of like inflection points. Um, if you can sort of see on the right-hand side of the citizen tracks, uh, some of the spaces are colored. And once you hit one of those sort of colored spaces, the ones that are colored a little bit of a different color than the background, you can unlock some kind of a powerful building. And these powerful buildings give you basically most of your points and most of your resources in the game. I mean, it might be um, you know income or powerful conversions or things like that. And Wormspan has just a little bit, bit of that too. So Wormspan only has one track. <laughs> um, and, and so the track in Wormspan, this is your Dragon Guild track, and it's a circular track. And around the outside are basically fixed small benefits that are there every single game. It might be, you know, get a card, get a resource, something like that. But every time you hit the bottom of the track and the top of the track, you can kind of keep going around in circles, you get sort of some kind of a big benefit. And those are actually uh, controlled by the Dragon Guild. So it's a central tile that goes into the center of the circular track, and it has sort of several very powerful benefits. And these do swap out. There are different tiles that you put in the center each game. Um, but those benefits can be really big. I mean, they can be excavate a free cave, play a free dragon, something like that. Um, and they're also a race. Um, they're, they're limited spots, unlike everything else in the Dragon Guild. And so trying to get that timing right of when you cross that threshold and get that bonus that can really kind of piggyback into something else is really, is really, really powerful. So it's a little bit similar to Hadrian's Wall, just in the sense that you're trying to cross these very specific thresholds at specific points in time to kind of best leverage, or leverage uh, that over the course of your game. So that's Hadrian's Wall. Coincidentally, I'm, I'm working on the design diary post for um, for Wormspan right now, which Connie writes a lot of it, and then I add some some of my thoughts to it too. And I was reminded that we really did try to make each Dragon Guild feel unique. Um, and I, I think you did a great. I would look back over the punch boards, and it was kind of a reminder of of how well you did with that. There's one that focuses on resources, one that focuses on mm -hmm. caves, another one for dragons, another one for eggs. So they each take one of these core elements of the game, and and leans into it. So playing one guild doesn't feel, it makes it feel like a slightly different game than when you're playing with a different guild. Really. Well, and I think it, it definitely um, helps inform, you know, the one that gives you eggs, for instance, it both gives and spends a lot of um, extra eggs over the course of the game. And so that you might make different decisions about which dragons you're playing and how you're going to build out your cave because of which dragon guild doesn't play. So I kind of like that, you know, element that shapes each game. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I can definitely see that comparison with Hadrian's Wall. Um, We'll talk about complexity a little bit too. I think uh, we have some other somewhat complex games coming up, so we'll, we'll talk about that then, because uh, Wormspan is a little bit more of a complex game than uh, the Wingspan. Yep. That's Hadrian's Wall as Connie's number four. My number four is another one that I need to share my screen with a little bit, and that is the delightful, beautiful game, Flamecraft. Um, so Flamecraft is so while Connie was working on on uh, on Wormspan, Flamecraft was announced and came out. I think. Both, thing, both things happened. The Kickstarter was announced and the game actually came out while we were working on Wormspan. 
And at first I was a little worried because I was like, oh, okay, this is a this is a very similar approach in terms of the theme of the dragons. Whereas Wormspan is not a game about using dragons to attack other players or you know, fire breathe and destroy villages and pillage and all these things. Um, it's a much more pleasant game, as is Flamecraft. Flamecraft, you're this is a world where dragons uh, are friendly, they're interacting with you, they're part of the economy in Flamecraft. Um, we took a, a little bit different approach in Wormspan. They are friendly. They are of all shapes and sizes. You're not using dragons to attack. Um, but they are, I would say dragons are more like the birds of our world, which makes sense for the comparison to Wingspan, rather than being uh, partners in business endeavors as they are in, in Flamecraft. But I think that the, there is a, a, still a strong connection to the theme. If you love the theme of Flamecraft and the, and the way that dragons are presented in Flamecraft, both thematically and artistically, I think uh, there's a good chance that you'll enjoy the way that we presented dragons in uh, in Wormspan as well. Um, and one small part of that, and kind of, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it, are uh, the addition of the dragon fact book that we included in Wormspan, where Connie wrote everything in this book. You did an amazing job bringing the theme and the world to life. And we have to give credit to Clementine Campardo, the, the artist, too, who did an amazing job with the world building. But I want to credit you for the writing there. So talking about writing, world building, the, the dragons, do you want to talk a little bit about that, uh, that book? Yeah, find yeah. It the box talking. yeah. Yeah, no, happy to. I mean, and this is, as Jamie said, we didn't want dragons to be, you know, attacking fearsome creatures. Um, that wasn't, you know, I don't think that would be um, sort of honest to the Wingspan predecessor or to, I think, anything that we wanted to go for with this game. And so the idea was to create, like, you know, what if dragons existed in our current world? And so they have all of the same diversity as, you know, birds or mammals or, you know, dinosaurs did it through through history. And so we tried to give the dragons um, different personality. And as Jamie said, Clementine, Clementine did such a good job um, with the art. They're all just different and unique and full of character. And so writing a lot of the dragon facts um, was really easy. <laughs> and and I will say I, I did uh, get, get some help from some fr uh, friends and family to really kind of flesh out and give all of these uh, dragons different uh, characteristics and different traits. And then trying to match, you know, the ability to the image, you know, we worked on um, the art was done simultaneously with the game. And we'll talk, I talked about that um, a little bit in the, in the design diaries as well, but the, the art and the gameplay kind of very much informed each other, but then it was very easy to kind of uh, fill in the dragon facts as well. And you mentioned, I'm glad you mentioned the the, uh, the traits because the, the cards in Wormspan do, each dragon has its own trait, either aggressive, playful, helpful, or shy. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's the four traits. So you have this little attachment to how that how that dragon interacts with the world, um, which I think is neat. That's another comparison to Flamecraft. And one thing I forgot to mention about Flamecraft, there's, Flamecraft has a ton of positive player interaction, and Wormspan has a fair amount of that too. There is, as you mentioned, a little bit of tension in terms of getting to certain spots on the guild first. There's some tension with the round end goals, although ties are friendly with the round end goals. But there's also a number of dragon cards and even cave cards where you get a big benefit, but all other players get a nice little benefit too. So I like that positive player interaction in comparison with Flamecraft. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's always that's always fun. I'd always I'd always rather have positive player interaction than negative player interaction. And I don't tend to be a huge fan of something where you're targeting a particular player. And so I really like the idea of like, all right, you get twice the benefit or three times the benefit, but everyone else gets a little something too. And so it really kind of adds that decision making of like, okay, do you actually want to activate that or not? And you know, looking at how everyone else is doing. So right, absolutely. So yeah, that's Flamecraft at my number four. What is your number three game, Connie? So my number three game is Furnace, um, and I will admit I had to look on BGG to figure out what the theme was of the game. It's a very themeless <laughs> game. You are capitalists in the Industrial Revolution, uh, basically trying to make money, but basically you're converting stuff into stuff into stuff into victory points. 
Um, I actually really, really enjoy Furnace. I think it's a, it's a very good game. Um, but basically what you're doing in the game is you are getting cards in, um, from an auction. It's a really cool auction mechanism, but that's not really relevant to this discussion. And then you get cards and you put them into your tableau. And there's a couple of different ways to play Furnace. There's a couple of different modes of play. But the one that I really like, basically you have a fixed tableau. So whenever you get a new card, you can put it to the left, to the right, or you can put it between two cards, but you can't otherwise move the cards around. And right. then when you activate your tableau, you have to activate it from left to right. And so it's a really interesting sequencing puzzle of how are you going to do your conversions and set up your tableau and set up your resources and engine so that you can activate everything in a very efficient manner, um, both to get your um, your tableau started at the beginning and then also to sort of set yourself up for, for subsequent rounds. And I wanted to highlight that because I think Wormspan also has some very, very interesting sequencing puzzles that are kind of a very similar brain space. Um, one, of course, is the, uh, the, ca the caves. You know, you have three caves uh, in Wormspan, similar to, to Wingspan. Uh, in Wormspan, you are activating them from left to right. So you have to make sure you're getting your dragons, you know, in the appropriate order. The other thing, though, that I wanted to flag about Wormspan, and I think this is a, actually a very subtle but very significant difference uh, between Wormspan and Wingspan, is the uh, ratcheting cave entrance costs. So in a, in a game of Wormspan, um, within a round, every time you activate a tunnel, the cost to enter that tunnel goes up. Yeah, so um, as you can see, the first time it costs a coin, the second time costs a coin and an egg, and the third time costs a coin and two eggs. That means that you are often not actually entering your each tunnel that many times during a round. So it might only be twice, three times at most. And so you have this really interesting sequencing decision of when in the round you are going to enter each tunnel uh, or each cave and how you are going to you know, choose uh, among your different tunnels. And so I think there's a really, really interesting sequencing puzzle there. So that was sort of the connection that I wanted to highlight between those two games. Yeah, I, I love that connection between the two games. I've only played Furnace once or twice. I love the, the puzzle in that. It's a really, in Furnace, it's a, I find it to be a, a fine balance between an excruciating puzzle because maybe you've put a card out of the wrong order um, and that can really mess up your, your, your lineup. But when you ma manage to get it in the right order, it works really, really well. Wormspan, I think, yep. feels a little bit more, uh, not flexible because you can't move things around in Wormspan, but it doesn't feel as maybe as punishing if you do put something slightly out of out of order. And you're right, there yeah, is a initial puzzle of when do you activate each cave. Right, and I don't think I definitely don't think it's as, as punishing um, in Wormspan, but I do think it's it's sort of a similar thought process. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's, that's Furnace as Connie's number three comparison to uh, to Wormspan. My number three is uh, the first of three games that are in my collection, and that is Everdell. Um, for a couple of reasons. One is similar to Flamecraft in terms of the theme. Everdell is a very cozy game. I think the art that uh, Clementine Campardeau created for Wormspan has a very cozy watercolor feel. Um, yeah, co cozy, I think, is the, the word. Cozy and comforting, I, I think, are, are uh, comparisons between both games. And also, similar to what you discussed earlier, uh, Everdell is a game where you were trying to eke out one more turn. It's that that efficiency puzzle. How can I extend my round just a little bit more by doing one more thing or doing the right thing so I can... And this, there, there are some ways in Wormspan where you can play a free card. Uh, there's a lot of free plays in Everdell. But that that extension of round, trying to extend your round a little bit more um, is something that I, I definitely feel about Wormspan. We talked about it a little bit earlier with the coins. I'm not sure if there's much to add to that, but, uh, but it, it, I... If you like that puzzle in Everdell, I think you'll enjoy the puzzle in Wormspan. Yeah, I agree 100%. Um, and I think they're also sort of similar in the sense that they're 
they're both sort of anthropomorphized animals, and I think Everdell goes is a little bit more in that direction than Wormspan, but it's sort of this alternative, like what if these animals were existing in our world? Um, and I think too that the games are fairly similar in you know length and depth and complexity and things like that as well. Um, and, and I mean, it depends on, I guess, how many uh, Everdell expansions you have incorporated. But I think, I do think they will kind of appeal to very similar audiences. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned complexity there, because I, I wanted to come back to that a little bit. Um, not that Wingspan is a simple game. To me, Wingspan is a is right in the middle of a medium weight game. And Wormspan is more complicated. You have the, the guild, you have the extra layer of the, layer of the cave cards that you're playing. You have to play a cave card um, in most spaces before you can play a dragon on top of it. There are some pre-excavated caves as well. But we, we knocked it up a little bit, but we also, I think, or you in particular, I did a great job of, while making the game more complex, you also still made it really accessible, which I think is something that Everdell does well. It's like, there are many layers of decisions in Everdell, but especially in the core game, it's a very accessible game. It's very clear what you're doing, how to get resources, here's how to do it. It's shown on the board. So I think you balance those two things really, really well in Wormspan. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, and, and I think we we're always going for something that was going to be a little bit more, just sort of a hair more complicated than um, than Wingspan, but still trying to keep it very accessible to folks who who love Wingspan. Right. Exactly. Yeah. We we want it to be welcoming to people who still who love Wingspan. So yeah, that's uh, Everdell at number three. What's your number yeah. two pick, honey? Yeah, my number two pick is Lost Ruins of Arnak, um, and I partly this is just on the list because I really like the game uh, and I wanted to talk <laughs> about it. Um, it's it's a little bit less directly related uh, in terms of the mechanisms than some of the other games. But um, I think, again, the weight and complexity are relatively similar to Wormspan. And uh, so I think it'll kind of appeal to similar audiences. Uh, so if, mm -hmm. if folks haven't played Lost Ruins of Arnak, it's a combo deck building work replacement game. You are archaeologists and you are exploring um, ancient ruins. You're defeating guardians. You're going up a big temple track. Um, but one of the things that I wanted to talk about, and both Jamie and I have kind of touched on this and some of our others, um, but this sort of idea of one more turn and how you can extend your round. So in Lost Ruins of Arnak, you know, you draw a hand of cards at the beginning of each round, and then you basically take turns until you're done. So some people might have a longer round than others. And at the beginning of the game, your rounds are very, very short. I mean, you play a couple cards, you collect some resources, maybe you go up once on the temple track, maybe you buy a card, that's about it. But longer rounds, or later rounds, get longer and longer and longer and more complicated. And a lot of it is figuring out ways to sort of sustain and to keep going. You know, can you turn in one thing to get you two more things to allow you to take another turn? And Wormspan has a little bit of that too. I mean, um, as we talked about, the coins are required to take just about every action, but there are ways to cheat that. Um, you know, there are ways to get coins back. There are ways to take actions um, at sort of reduced coin costs, particularly through the Dragon Guilds. Um, and so kind of finding that way to extend um, you know, one more round, getting one more thing done uh, before the end of each round can be, I think, a really satisfying feeling. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we've returned to that a few times in this discussion. I think it really it does uh, compare well to, to Wormspan. And also just the immersion, the world building in Arnak, I think, is really well done. Um, yeah, it's excellent. Was, yeah, we've mentioned that with, with a few games. But I think that is a, a big part of Wormspan. It, it is a, a game that is not directly connected to the real world, even though we've tried to make these dragons feel like they could exist in this world and uh yeah yeah so that's lost Ruins of arnak as connie is number two i recently played through the campaign expansion for arnak and had a great time with that the latest expansion. Awesome. have you played that yeah, one yet? I, no. I have not um but i will say that i absolutely love the um expedition leaders expansion and i feel like that's just a must play that's in our game all the time i'm, I'm looking forward to trying yeah. the campaign though cool um my number two is one that i don't think you've played yet but i think you said you're looking forward to playing it and that yep. is raising robots um, so this is another, this is a tableau building, engine building game. So uh, 
very similar on, on the surface to to Wormspan. And similar to what you mentioned with Furnace, it is a uh, an order of operations puzzle that you're playing um, robot cards onto your tableau into these different rows. In fact, very similar to Wormspan, I believe there are four spots per row. Uh, there's an action for uh, uh, playing cards. And actually, the order of operations matters hugely in Raising Robots because you actually, before you gather resources on the on the three rows, you are playing, if you can, um, you're playing a, a robot. So you're playing a robot potentially every turn before you gather resources. So you need to plan ahead a little bit. You need to be ready. You need to have the resources from the previous round to be able to play a robot so that you can then activate that robot on the same round. Raising Robots, unlike Wormspan, is completely simultaneous. So this puzzle is happening in real time with the other players over the turn over eight rounds. Um, but this order of operations puzzle is a big part of it. There's a little bit of a leveling up mechanism to the game too, similar to that the hatchlings in in Wormspan. Um, and there also uh, there are some additional costs to uh, it, we did this a little bit differently than than in Wingspan. But if you're playing a robot in Raising Robots on some of the further to the right columns, there's an additional cost to playing it there. Uh, I think this the idea is so that you aren't um, just focusing on one row. That gives you a little bit of reason to diversify between the rows. In Wormspan, do you want to talk about how we did that? So it could, because it is related to playing dragon cards in Wormspan. Yeah, the yeah happy happy to. So the it, actually the the thing that gets more expensive in Wormspan is actually the excavation costs. So those go go up as you go farther. Um, and I will say too that in Wormspan you also have a lot of incentive to diversify too, just because of those uh, increasing cave entrance costs. Um, but it seemed that it was just a little bit too easy if it was just a static excavation cost to just kind of blitz out one one tunnel. So those those do kind of increase uh, as you get farther to the right. Right. And part of that in Wormspan is that on the when you excavate ex excavate the last space of a tunnel, uh, there is a potential one-time bonus if you're ready for it. And this goes back to that order of operations puzzle you were talking about. If if you have gathered three total resources of a couple different resource types, uh, you could be all it could all be the same resource, but uh, different categories. And when you when you place that cave card, when you excavate it, you could gain an extra coin, so an extra action, which feels really good to, to pull that off. So. Yep. Um, yeah. Well, and I think that, that creates just a little bit of an interesting decision of like, okay, do you excavate it as soon as you can? Because if you can actually, the space right. that's after the last tunnel space is very, very strong. So you have a lot of incentive yeah. to basically um, excavate that last space, put a dragon in that last space. However, as we've talked about, coins are very valuable. So you can kind of eke out one extra coin there. It can be really valuable too. Yeah, I love, I. it's such a great decision space of, of do you diversify and there are reasons to diversify or do you focus on that one cave and really push it and get that activation, get give yourself access for a round or two to that final action space in Wormspan, or not action space, but a benefit, uh, explore benefit where you can essentially get more points. Um, yeah, yeah, great decision space that you put into Wormspan. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I've, we found too that in playtesting, at least, it seems that the game has played out very differently. I mean, it wasn't that you were always doing the same thing. It's like sometimes you'd build out a tunnel and, and try to hit it really hard, and sometimes you would, would have kind of a much more um, you know diverse tableau. Yeah. Um, let's talk about, you know, let's take a quick break before we get to our top one and talk about apiary because we haven't talked about apiary. I, I, we, and I should have mentioned this earlier on because we focused so much on wingspan, but Connie is the designer of apiary. It's our first game from Connie and Connie's first published game. Um, I don't know. Is there anything else, anything that you want to mention about apiary? Because I, I, I do think in general, if you enjoy, if you played and enjoyed apiary, I think you will enjoy Wormspan because Connie is also the designer of Wormspan. Anything you want yeah. to mention about that? Sure. So the only thing that I'll throw out real quick is like, um, if you could, if folks have noticed um, from playing apiary, I tend to be a combo person. I really like combos. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and so I did kind of um, work some of those into Wormspan as I think is probably pretty obvious through this discussion. Um, but I think that kind of, and, and, and I think too, getting to kind of cheat the system is something that I really like as a game player and be able to like, normally this costs X, but if you sequence it correctly, or if you do something, um, you know, do this thing that this game allows you to do, all of a sudden you get that for free or for much cheaper. And there's, so those sort of both the combo aspect and also the kind of cheating the system aspect, I think are both in uh, Wormspan as well. Uh, and as well as Apiary. Yeah, I think you, especially with the recruit tiles and Apiary, um, there, there's so many ways that you feel like that you're getting away with something when you're playing the game. Yeah. Well, that's always, that's always a fun feeling as a player. I mean, to sort of like figure something out or to put together a fun little, you know, a fun little thing. And then all of a sudden you can do this big thing that seemed so expensive before and now it's free or it's very cheap. And that just, it's a good feeling. Yeah. So yeah, I would, it, it, either way, if you play Wormspan and you haven't played Apiary, I'd, I'd recommend checking out the other one. If you played Apiary and you loved it, Connie, Connie's uh, design ethos is all over both of these games. Um, so yeah, I would definitely, definitely recommend one over the other or one to the other. Uh, but let's talk about our number ones. Uh, what is your number one pick or recommendation if someone likes Wormspan? Yeah, absolutely. So my number one is Terraforming Mars Ares Expedition. And, you know, full disclosure, regular Terraforming Mars could have stood in uh, here as well. I like Ares Expedition better, so it's the one that I picked. <laughs> um, but uh, it's a tableau building game um, where the group is collectively trying to terraform Mars. I mean, it's a competitive game. You're all representing different corporations and you're trying to do the best job. But the game essentially ends when you have reached a certain level of development on the planet as a whole. Um, but one of the things that I really like about the game is, you know, whenever you add a card to your tableau, you know, it gets you something. Uh, could just be victory points, but usually it's, you know, a tag uh, which will make other cards cheaper or it's some kind of production, um, you know, production ability. And so every time you collect income, you get something more from that. Um, and for both Ares Expedition and for Wormspan, every single card is unique. And I think it's really interesting that the card's value isn't really fixed. Um, you know, the value of each card will be highly dependent on the situation. So one game you might have a card and it's a total build around. I mean, it is the card that you uh, focus your tableau around. In the next game, it could be absolutely worthless. And yeah. I think because of that, you know, both games also incorporate basically a way, a mechanism of ditching and getting rid of cards. I mean, in Ares Expedition, you can get rid of cards for coins, uh, which will allow you to buy different cards. In Wormspan, you know, you obviously, uh, can tuck cards under other cards, which will trigger additional benefits or just give you points. Um, and so I really like this idea of being able to tailor your tableau. Uh, and it makes every game feel very different depending on which cards and the combination of cards that are available each game. So this is another one of these games where I think if you like the Terraforming Mars, if you like Ares Expedition, if you kind of like that tableau building, um, I think you'll really like it here in Wormspan as well. Yeah, in both games have this constant sense of progression. You're, you're always moving forward. You're always getting better at something. Um, even if you're not playing a dragon that can be that has an if activated ability, one that you might activate every time you explore, you're still probably you're still probably getting either a when played benefit, an end game benefit, a round end benefit, and you're simply letting whenever you play a dragon, you can then walk further into the cave when you explore it, get giving you access to more benefits. So there's this constant sense of, sense of progression um, in this game, and that was my feeling when I played. I think I played Ares Expedition once or twice. Um, I felt the same way. I was constantly getting better at things. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, that's uh, Terraform Mars Ares Expedition is Connie's number one pick. Uh, my number one pick that either of us could have chosen for this because uh, we're standing on the shoulders of giants here in terms of Wingspan. So if you love Wingspan, I think there's a very good chance that you're going to enjoy <laughs> Wormspan too, especially if you've dived deep into Wingspan. If you've only played it once, 
play Wingspan a few more times before you check out Wingspan. But if you have gone deep into the world of Wingspan and you're looking for something a little bit new, uh, I, I think Wormspan is a great follow-up to uh, to Wingspan. It does use similar core mechanisms. We've we've talked about that today. Today, this idea that you're playing dragon cards into uh, into your onto your player mat, and oftentimes you're activating them on an ongoing basis, or when you play them, or at the end of the game, at the at the end of the round. Um, it does have these unique hooks that we mentioned today. So there are, this isn't just a reskin of, of Wingspan, but by any means, it isn't just Wingspan with dragons. But if you know Wingspan, I think it'll be, it, I think it will be fairly easy to learn Wormspan and to jump in and start playing. Um, yeah. I, any specific thoughts about comparing the two games? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think everything you said is hundred percent correct. I certainly wouldn't, wouldn't disagree uh, with any of it. Um, you know, one thing I will sort of flag is, you know, as we've talked about, um, Wormspin's a little bit more of a complicated game. The other thing that I will mention, too, is that in some ways the difference in gameplay, I think, is greater than the difference in rules, if that makes any sense. So I think the the list of rules changes between Wingspan and Wormspan is actually relatively small in a lot of ways. I mean, you know, you're activating tunnels from left to right instead of right to left. And then as we've talked about, we have the cave cards and the dragon guilds and the hatchlings and, you know, a few unique mechanisms there. But a lot of the core rules are very, very similar. But I do think that some of the decisions, the design decisions that we made along the way, really made for a game that feels quite a bit different. And so I think it'll be a really interesting um, experience for folks to get to explore sort of a very similar rule set that kind of came up with a very different feel and a very different game. Um, and one thing that, uh, as Jamie mentioned, you know, standing on the shoulders of giants, um, and this is in the, the design diaries as well, but I think it's really interesting that there were certain things that we tried along the way that would have further differentiated the two games. And then we ended up actually coming back toward Wingspan on a lot of those because it turns out that the Wingspan system works so well. Um, particularly, I think the the, um, the the hive, or not hive, <laughs> sorry, the, uh, the cave mat uh, in Wingspan, um, which is very, very similar to the mat in, in, um, in, worm, in Wingspan. Sorry, I'm getting my Wingspans and Wormspans uh, mixed up. <laughs> Uh, but the player mats in both games, I think, um, really are such a strong, um, such a strong innovation, and really um, emphasize that sense of progression. Um, and so, I think in a lot of ways, Wormspan became a little bit more like Wingspan as we went along. I think it also helped that we we know Wingspan really well. We know how people have responded to it, and so a lot of the playtesters for Wormspan were people who knew Wingspan. I think we intentionally also tried to find some people who hadn't played Wingspan, so we get a little yep. bit of both mm -hmm. perspectives. Mm -hmm. But I remember getting a lot of feedback from people saying, early on, especially in the process, people would say like, oh, I enjoyed this, but I think I'll probably just play Wingspan. Um, and there were also some people, as we kind of moved away from it more, who started to say, okay, I, I'll choose this over Wingspan, but this no longer feels like Wingspan. And so mm -hmm. we're constantly like looking at that feedback and trying to find that balance of a game that feels like Wingspan, that is familiar, but is also that stands on its own and where they could sit side by side in the collection rather than one replacing the other. Yep, exactly. And I think that's a really hard hard line to hit. And I'm sure mm -hmm. I would guess some folks will feel that they're too similar and I would guess that some folks will feel that they're too different. Um, but I'm hoping that we could mm -hmm. find a good, happy medium where most people will feel that they are different enough, basically. I hope so, too. Yeah, right, I think, and I think we did. And there are some subtle, well, not so subtle things. Like in Wingspan, there are there's randomization of the food resources that are available to you. They're, they're food dice. I love that mechanism, how it works in Wingspan, but we decided to do something differently here. There, there's no randomness with food in, in Wormspan. Um, nope. Most of the food icons in the game, they're either specific or it's gain one of the four you choose. Which one do you need right now? Um, 
Yep. And the research yep, is absolutely. not much. Yeah. And that was something that we we tried a variety of different randomization techniques. Um, and especially because there's a few extra considerations in Wormspan, it ended up just being very, very frustrating if you couldn't get the food that you wanted to get. Um, and so we ended up um, kind of developing that out fairly early on, um, you know, specifically because of some of the differences in the underlying games. Right. And one other thing, too, I, I want us to give credit to Elizabeth Hargrave today, the designer 100%. of Wingspan, the designer of all the expansions. Uh, Elizabeth, this was not a project that was independent of Elizabeth. Elizabeth was very involved throughout the process. It's helpful that she is local to Connie, too, so you yep. can actually yep. connect with her and talk to her about the game. Um, so not only were we building on this strong foundation of Wingspan, but we were actively working with Elizabeth to make something that she would be proud of, that that her name her name's on the box, too, developed by Elizabeth Hargrave, that she would be proud to have her name on the box right next to Connie's, so. Yep. Um, Absolutely, and Elizabeth was really key in in some of those feel elements too. I mean, sort of playing this and being like, okay, is this enough like Wingspan? Is it too much like Wingspan? Like, how do we get yeah. this? How do we sort of capture the magic of Wingspan but still make it, as Jamie said, sort of stand on its own? So yeah, so that, that we'll cap off the list with the, those two, Terraform Mars Area Expedition and Wingspan itself. Um, yeah. Uh, this was wonderful to talk to you about this, Connie, today. I love hearing your perspective on games, especially as they're compared to the games that you spent so much time and energy and love creating for us. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed getting to talk about, um, you know, Wormspan and also just get to talk about some games that I really enjoyed too. So thank you. Yeah. So for anyone watching this, if you have one of these games that we've talked about today uh, that you want to talk about a little bit more, if you have questions about how they're different to or similar to Wingspan, let us know in the comments. I'm, I'm happy to answer there. And I can't wait for you to actually play Wormspan and see all these direct comparisons and, and indirect comparisons that we've made today. All right, thank you. Yeah, thank you.